0: Started to rain. It doesn't matter really. I won't be here much longer. So, I thought I would tell you my tale before I go. My name is Alex, and I got. careless. Uh, Allow me to explain. I had been a cashier in a branch of the thrift store for roughly around six months. How it worked, basically, is If you, mm, how do I put this, have old stuff laying around your house and you want to sell it, well, you bring it here. Let's face it though, most retail jobs are fairly mundane. Get in, do a thing, go home, repeat. Six months of the same thing day after day. The same paperwork each morning, logging this, filing that. The same tyrant over my shoulder. Now, I came into this position purely by chance. I needed to move and it was Victor who suggested that I leave my current job due to the vast travelling and I take this one to be closer to home. I should give some context here though. Uh, Vic and I had started dating about three months before this happened and I thought I would just keep the higher paid and skilled job I already had, travelling a few hours each few days while on shift. However, this was thrown into chaos when the new boss at my job turned out to be the kind of man for whom, if your face doesn't fit, you won't be staying long. Still, even he wasn't as bad as the boss I have now. Whereas the other one was a stuck-up snob, this one, This one treated everyone and everything like it was his property. It doesn't matter if you're skilled. It doesn't matter if you have more intelligence. You are spoken to like a five-year-old. Deal with it. And he knows best. You know nothing. So, as you can imagine, the staff turnover here was incredible and the highest in the sector, all due to how this man spoke to people, and not just us. He treated the customers just as badly, meaning a lot of good customers didn't come back again after running with him. Things changed for me, I think, on Valentine's Day. Vic and I had planned to sit in that night after I got back, watch a film, cuddle on the sofa, after the film have a meal, and then, uh, well, that's, that's a whole other story. And they both happened on that day. The boss made a visit to our store, and in his usual form, berated us for doing precisely what he had asked us to do that morning. He didn't even care that there were customers in the shop. He went off on a rant in a tone that suggested we neither had the capacity to eat or dress ourselves without his teachings. Pfft. Big-headed bell-end was going to sink these stores eventually. Well... At least, that was the general hope between us all. So, our days, after he sodded off, was ranting about everything wrong with his systems. This did actually take us most of the day, so he was at least something that united us all, even if it was in hatred. But that day, it wasn't just him. It was Phil. An odious little oik that oozed contempt in anyone who came into contact with him. Racist, misogynist, narcissistic, who I'm sure hasn't bathed for at least three weeks, even though all women wanted to be with him. And who believed that when he was talking, everyone should just be quiet and listen to him immediately. And if he didn't... The language just became worse and more graphic. Today was no different. He came swanning into the store, looking around like he could afford everything, but it was beneath him anyway. Mark, my manager, just looked at my eyes rolling and sighed. He knew I wasn't dealing with him. I never did. I was never sure just how calm I could stay if I did have to deal with him one day and just how quickly I would call him on his BS. I'm sure I'm going on now, but I just want to get across how nasty this tiny little man actually is. Uh, well, was. After roaming around, nose in the air, he came up to Mark's counter, throwing a glance at me, before talking about how he'd just been to the gym. Picking up a set of dumbbells, saying the guys in the gym are all envious of him. I don't know if he did this to just try and impress me or if he was just trying to flex, making Mark feel like he was better than him. To be honest, I just don't care. His voice went right through me. Oh, he just disgusted me completely. I was serving a lady who came in shortly before him. She had a child with her. A sweet little boy who told me all about his horsey toy and the noises it made when they played. Little ones like this always made me smile. It's one of the few things here that actually did. He had managed to ignore most of Phil's going on to Mark until he said something that made the lady recoil and look at him in shock. I wasn't paying attention until I saw her face and realised that once he had finished flexing to Mark... He had started on this rant about his ex, who he was meant to have a child with. Though personally, I would have been amazed if he'd ever got it up. But oh, that's neither he nor there. He was droning on when he started on what ways she should die. And if he had his way, just what he would do to her after teaching her who was boss sexually. Nasty little bastard even lifted my head at this as it was a sexual comment that had shocked the lady, who obviously didn't want his son anywhere near this man. She hushed him out as quickly as she could, and the sad part is, she forgot the toy that she bought for the boy. I tried to follow her, but I couldn't find her in the crowds outside, and all I could muster was anger at this moron. How dare he do that in front of such a small child? And all because he wanted to feel big? Pfft. He was five foot four. had honestly had enough of his BS. I walked in ready to tell him, only to find Mark limply saying he can't do that in the store and telling him to leave. This always ticked me off. Because he never got barred. Never any real action. Just, well, he makes us money. And? So, I have to stand there and listen to that crap. Or the customers have to hear his BS. And worse, a small child has to be subjected to him stating how he wanted his ex raped and murdered? Oh no. This had gone too far. Then, as he was leaving, he didn't even look ashamed or embarrassed at what he'd done. Oh no, the look he gave me was what I can only describe as triumph. I heard his rant, so I was impressed and he was the big man. I was meant to bow down in reverence, and something in me at that moment broke It wasn't enough, I had to put up with a boss who spoke to me like I'm a moron. Drunks at 10am, slaying and swearing. Addicts starting fights right outside the door. Stealing, giving me grief when they were told, Nope, I am not taking any more microwaves today from the local Walmart. Calling me every name under the sun when I can only give them £5 for a phone so old it was around when Moses was a boy. £5 isn't enough for their next fix now, is it? No way was it worth putting my life at risk every single day for this. I had to leave. I had to get out of here. So a new job hunt began. I couldn't take any more. When I got home that night, Vic, bless him, he tried but my heart just wasn't in the day anymore. I explained what had happened and he understood right away. He kissed my forehead and went to make me a coffee, passing me my headphones along the way so that I could put on my YouTube videos and disappear from the world for a bit. It was just what I needed, it seemed. I popped on a height video. He had a new r slash choosing beggar clip show out that day. Vic brought my coffee, kissing the top of my head again. Genuine love coming from his touch. Still, such a new feeling for me. He smiled and went back to the game that he had started. I settled down and began to listen. Deciding while doing this, I would maybe do some writing, as Hype was telling this story about a beggar who really went off on a young cashier, who ended up in tears. People's entitlement, I mean seriously. So... Things were about to change for the better. A few days later, I was brushing the floor in the store after a mentally busy day, and about 12 police cars, full lights, sirens blaring, went whizzing by. Mark and I watched, stunned at the sheer amount, thinking maybe that it was something really serious, like a terror threat maybe, or something like that. That level of police just wasn't something you see here every day. Later we found out that a group of the drug addicts had been found down by the local canal. A wooded area had covered them, so they hadn't been found for a few days, until a dog walker came across them, the dog being drawn to the smell of the corpses. The news said that the bodies had been found in varying degrees of decomposition, and that the police were looking for other members of the drug community for the culprit. Mark began following the news about what was now being clearly called a series of murders. I would listen, but honestly I was just glad I wasn't having to deal with them in the store anymore. No more being called a stupid bitch, no more having to look over my shoulder in case they brought weapons in again. There was at least that relief. Phil, though, was among the bodies found. His head had been removed and impaled, his body laying flat out on the ground leading up to the pole, and alongside them he was just assumed another worthless druggie and forgotten about very quickly. Over the next few months it kept going. Once or twice a week a new body would be found, and people were not so bothered when it was just the junkies. But then it started to carry on with so-called ordinary people. Then fear really started to grow. A butcher was found at the back of his shop by his wife, hanging in his freezer, a hook jammed into his throat. A teacher was found in their car. A large wooden spike had been jammed through the windscreen, straight through his chest. The police said it would have been a slow and painful death. And on it went. Vic started to get nervous about me leaving the house for work. Fear was spreading steadily through the confines of the city. Unrest, but yet there were a lot of people who had seen the good in what was happening, me included. And even though there was fear, there were fewer scumbags. The police, though, were getting frustrated as nothing other than the gruesome nature of each death linked them in any way. The news channels, of course, speculating all over the place as to why these people had met their end. They, of course, were all part of the same drug ring and they'd, of course, ticked off a big boss. They were wrong, all of them, the news channels. They would soon come to learn. The police had started receiving files containing information on each victim, and it would soon come to light that by each victim, it meant the victims of the people who had actually been killed. You see, each person who had died, it seemed, had done so due to them also being, well, scumbags, but just in a different way to the obvious junkies and slowly the police, it seemed, started to get all the evidence to prove this. It seems their killer wasn't just killing because they could, they were, in fact, taking out the trash. The general public, of course, was split at learning this. Some said it's about time someone did something about all the scum of this world, and if the authorities can't do it, Well, at least this guy is. Others were stating, Well, how is this person any different? After all, murder is a serious crime. And on and on it went. Mark was always chiming in with an opinion. He was all for it. It's about time these streets were cleaned up, etc. Me, receiving a look of anguish when I commented, Hmm. Isn't that what street cleaners are for? Obviously grinning, I was asked to brush up. The 1st of May saw the most gruesome of the murders to date. Fear was still growing, and with this one, it only got worse. Kevin Forrester, a bus driver, was found hanging in between two trees by his arms, on full display. Face bloody, clothes torn in several places wounds obvious through the cloth but the most horrific part to everyone was the fact that his genitals had been forced down his throat a part was still visible from his open mouth the police could not hold back any more an urgent appeal was made a haggard-looking detective on camera was urging anyone who knew anything about these killings to please come forward no matter how small they think their information is. Well, we all know what happened next. Chaos ensued as asking the general public for help means that they will rush the place because they know the killer. It's John from next door. That guy is shifty as hell. That though, I have to admit, doesn't make me chuckle. Vic was starting to follow me now to and from work. I couldn't move for him being close. He was so scared, bless him. Even though I tried to assure him that I'd committed no offence to draw this person's gaze, it made no difference. Little did he know, though, that my time was, in fact, drawing closer than I thought. The day the killer would claim me from him was actually coming. The drunks, the addicts, The thieves. Their crimes? Well, their crimes are fairly obvious. Anthony Allen Bell. Crime. He was responsible for a small rash of unsolved prostitute killings. The numbers were small enough to keep off the police's radar. Who really pays attention to hookers going missing? He would keep their right hand as a trophy and, whenever alone, hold it, pretending they were his girlfriend. He was found in a cheap hotel room, all of the hands of his victims placed into openings, cut into his body. Kevin Forrester, his crime, date rape. She was 17 and fell pregnant from the attack. She couldn't live with what had happened and Took her own life, the unborn child with her. The butcher, feeding tainted meat to strays, causing them great pain before they died. The teacher, failing students with disabilities, claiming they were too thick to be of any real use. Tony Cruder, his crime. On the back of the killings, he decided to assist He severely beat a target it seemed the killer had already had their sights on. Tony beat them so badly they are actually still in intensive care. And went on to beat down, but not kill, three more people. However, like a lot of copycats, he lost sight of the goal. It became personal, and one night at a bar after a few drinks, he got into a disagreement with someone and beat them to death in the car park outside, raving about how brilliant being a vigilante is. He was found, later that week, in the same car park, hanging by one foot from a lamppost. The coroner confirmed the words, you lost sight, were carved into his chest. Sam Farmer, his crime, he was a peeping Tom, Not just confined to a street or a garden setting, he liked to break into the houses of women and jerk off in their wardrobes while they showered or dressed, etc. The youngest of his victims was just 15. As he liked to hide in the shadows, the killer had placed him in the middle of the town's fountain with all his pictures stapled to his body. Colin Wood. His crime. Oh, this one was a special one. He was a street magician who used a sleight of hand trick to burgle certain people. He would steal their home keys and then stalk them through the streets until they went home. That evening he would rob the house. The crime that sealed his fate, though, was the home of a single mother. Leaving her badly beaten on the floor of her kitchen, unconscious, he went about the house, taking anything he could carry in a backpack. The young girl's baby was crying for his mother. Colin, in a panic and a rush, decided that he had had enough of this infant. If it carried on, someone would come to see why it wasn't shutting up. He threw the child downstairs shouting shut this up to the unconscious mother. The child of course died shortly after in hospital. This one the police said would have taken days and would have been very slow and very painful. He was strapped to his mother's kitchen table. Small IV lines came from all veins, left loose and hanging to the floor, draining him of all blood. His mother had been away for a week to visit a friend in Australia. She came back to find a note just inside the door, reading, I hope you're proud of your child killer. And then there's me. I have been missing now for three days. Rick, bless him, has been frantic, blames himself for falling asleep. It's not, of course, his fault. So, what was my mistake? Well, quite simply, I didn't disappear sooner. Now then, my fellow fiends, what did you think of this? What did you think of taking a small wonder of your own into my mind? I do hope you like it. And until we meet again, do take care now, won't you?